It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. We're coming off two straight days where we close near the lows. We'll see if today's any different. Ten year, as Jim said, still near 1.5. Jobless claims 745K. Powell speaks at noon. We got earnings from Snowflake and more. Our roadmap begins with the tech sell-off. Futures have been mixed here, but inflation fears continue to rattle some investors. Plus, Tesla bull Ron Barron selling shares, despite saying the stock will increase to 2,000 over the next 10 years. Jim laughs. And with oil prices at pre-pandemic levels, we are watching OPEC this morning. Will it supply the world with more crude as prices continue to rise? Carl. All right, guys, a lot to get to this morning. Jim, hard not to notice a tweet that you mentioned this morning regarding a call for your, your membership program, and that is that... Uh, as the reopening happens, it is the end of a certain chapter, I guess, in your view, for yes. some growth names. Not a somber call, Jim, but a serious one. Yes. Look, I think that it's entirely possible when you listen to Alex Gorski. I had emergent bio last night. They're making a huge number of vaccines. That it is a situation where we can say June uh, that there will be enough people. You're talking about hundreds of millions of vaccines. So you really do have to switch direction. It, it, it's painful to have to switch direction. Go by Cummins Engines up here. That was recommended. Go by Emerson. Uh, you have to go by Ingersoll Rand. You have to buy all these companies, Parker, Hannafin, that people have long forgot. And up against the wall are stocks like Tesla, like Okta. David, these high multiple stocks that did really well during the pandemic don't really have underpinnings. Even though they're doing well, you much rather buy Boeing. Yeah, uh, well, it's multiple. It's it's a it's a multiple trade off, I guess, yes. Jim. Um, and the question becomes, is Boeing a value? Well, at least it trades at a multiple that you could argue might be given the reopening and some of their many of their problems, perhaps they hope behind them. I don't know what the appropriate multiple for an oct is. You know, I mean, or a snowflake. Right. I mean, obviously, these are these are growth companies, uh, but we have seen growth sell off dramatically because you can just make an argument one way or the other. This co-star that I've been watching, for example, they're trying to buy CoreLogic. Right. Well, it trades it 50 times. But should it trade it 50 times? Well, maybe it should, but maybe not. As we take a look, Frank Slootman will be joining the show. Oh, my God. You have Slootman. I mean, it's a monster quarter. I mean, the guy is, he is the best. And what you have to look at, by the way, is you have to look at the deferred revenue. That's how you really measure that. And the deferred revenue was just extraordinary. Uh, the best I've seen. But, David, we don't know how to value uh, when you have 117% revenue growth and 205% uh, revenue performance obligation. David, are you going to be interviewing him? Uh, I don't believe I will be. No. Why not? Yeah, he's, he's on the Squawk Alley program. Oh, Carl, I mean, this, is a, this guy's a guy. I mean, I talked to a number of CEOs last night who could not believe this number. The stock has come down a lot. Let's watch this stock because Slootman delivered far better. People are saying that his guidance wasn't that great. You all, have, all you have to do is look at deferred to get his guidance. This man, he is extraordinary. And that was the best of the best of the high-tech growth stocks. So that's what you got to watch, Carl. It's going to be a great interview. Yeah, I- 
I know you're a fan. Uh, Deutsche Bank does upgrade to buy today. They go to 300. Uh, Credit Suisse goes from 275 to 310. So some of the reaction has been positive. Jim, you talk about it being painful uh, moving from this uh, in this chapter of growth to value. That's the exact same word uh, that Ron Barron used to uh, describe some of his funds unloading about 1.8 million shares of Tesla. As you said, it's about a quarter of the stake still says his long term target of 10 years somewhere in the $2,000 range, but he talked about why he sold on Squawk. Here's what he said. In uh, the past six months, uh, we've sold about 1.7 million out of our 8 million shares that we held. Uh, And we sold them uh, between uh, $450 and $900 a share, average 660, 670. Uh, And so we still own 75% of our stock. I'm hopeful we hold that for a very long, actually more than 75%. Uh, I'm hopeful that we can hold that for a number of years. I think that uh, in 10 years, our target is $2,000 a share. And I think that could be late by maybe $500 or $1,000 a share. So, so we're looking for a lot more. All right, Jim. So you commented on that on Twitter as well in terms of how people are going to read his decision. Becky said, why just sell? He said because it was up 20x. Look, he's a portfolio manager. He's not someone who comes in and says, I have to have 100 percent Tesla because this is my favorite stock. He's been right all along. okay? and because he's been right, he did not want to be the Tesla fund. David, you've talked to a lot of managers who own stocks that just kept going up and up yes. and up. And if they don't scale back, then all they are are this one stock. Right. And that is irresponsible. Totally. He loves Tesla. No. There's no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. You mentioned portfolio management. Remember, we talked a lot about that around Melvin because Ooh. it's not just being a great analyst. It's not no. just about picking the right stocks, although that is certainly a very important part of it. But it also is appropriately managing and mitigating risk. And when one name gets to be more than 50 percent of a certain fund. That's just you're not managing your portfolio no. properly. Right, Jim? And so, listen, we can't argue with Ron Barron. I don't know. Did you hear him? I mean, I love he said two thousand dollar target, but it could be a thousand more than that. So he's even pointing to three thousand dollars a share for Tesla, which would make it far and away the most uh, the, the highest valued company in the world. If it were to get there and Apple were not to have moved up in that time or any of the others. But. You can't blame him. And when you listen to him, you know, I mean, five years ago, we kind of laughed a little bit at his targets, but they were all met. Look, the stock was at 900. It's down to 650. I think there will be people who say, you know what, he's been selling. He's done selling. Uh, You know, David, that uh, Kathy Wood bought some yesterday. Yes. Um, So the question is, will she save Tesla? She bought a lot of Palantir, too. Oh, boy. She goosed Palantir like a couple, like 2.5. Now, we're talking about the finest manager of our time. What? What, <laughs> what are you time, laughing about? What time is that? Is that 4 it's o'clock nice. yesterday? It's 9.06. 9.06. Okay, yeah. that's but the time. She bought, bought 23,000 shares of Tesla. So will she stop the decline in Tesla, David? 23,000 shares? I don't know if that's going to do it. Well, but she should step up two, to the plate. 2 million shares of Palantir. 2.6 million, Dave. You're missing the oh, other buy. Oh, I must have missed in. the other buy. Thank you. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, I see in. that. Yeah. That's right. Another 670,000. Thank you, Jim. She must have watched when I said she likes Zoom. She's right up there buying Zoom. Not true. She doesn't. But I do think that she it's going to be Tesla and Kathy Wood 
And if they hold the line, then even Mike Novogratz, who was in my Twitter feed, saying this is it. Hold the line. Hold Are they the going to hold the line on it's, those SPACs, Jim? It's Braveheart. You watch those? That's, that reminds Spacks me of watching the Twitter crushed. feed on all the CCIV bulls. Hold oh. the line. Well, David, there's a, a devastating note about one of my absolute favorites that you brought to me, David. Uh-oh. I'm talking about QuantumScape. Yes. I mean, the analyst just loves it. Baird. It's called Electric Crude. He talks about faster charging, safer, longer-lasting, solid-state, trillion-dollar Tim, Jag Deep Singh. But, David, he called it a neutral. A neutral after a neutral. all that. He's a turncoat. QS. He's a turncoat. Um, Carl, yesterday, a lot of these growth names, as, as Jim, of course, is, is alluding to, uh, suffered uh, significant losses. Obviously, as you might expect, many of the SPAC names. There's a look at QuantumScape and some of the others number of them coming public through SPACs. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned CCIV. That, right. It's interesting, Jim, you know, that you, you wondered, there were a number of people focused on it when they announced, finally got to announce the Lucid deal, which they did. Uh, and then you saw the share count, 1.6 billion yeah. shares outstanding. Yes. And, but there were still many people said, okay, that may be the time, but they were afraid to short it because who knows? <sighs> it went from 10 to 60, but it has gone promptly from 60 to 23. Uh, it, it's astounding, and there are people who are, this is it. I mean, the opposite of Ron Barron. There are people who own only this. And, David, they are uh, one, one of us to say great things. And, uh, you know, I'll look, it's, I'll say a great thing about it. Interesting car. The car is beautiful. I mean, I don't know how many they're going to make, but, but it's beautiful. But, Carl, the hype of some of these wasn't the companies. I want to make that point. It wasn't the companies. It was individuals who just said, you know what, this thing's got to go up because it's great looking. And it's got, I mean, the same thing with Fisker, by the way. When I had Henrik Fisker on, I was a dowler, but then Bill McDermott uh, from uh, ServiceNow joined the board. The car's good. He's got Foxconn building cars. He's got well, Magna building cars. I, there's a lot to, to at, like at, there. But, Jim, at this market cap, would you take a shot if they actually were to hit their $2.885 billion in EBITDA for 2026? That That's, they're, I mean, you discount that back now on a multiple, you know, give it a reasonable multiple based on the market cap. Now, it's still $1.6 billion times 24, let's call it. So it's still a pretty, pretty sizable market value overall when they de-SPAC, by the way. Remember, you're not right. going to get that by looking at CCIV's share count. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe, you know, That's if they were impressive. to hit those numbers. Oh, yeah, you'd buy it. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, and I whether do or like not they model. hit those numbers, 2.8. But they have an asset like well, that's a SPAC. With SPAC, you could say that it's three point seven billion. You could say anything. Yeah, four point six billion. Right. Any any yeah. projection. David, you know what matters today? What? And Carl, I'm going to put it to you directly. They've decided that Stephen Tanger, now the executive chairman of Tanger, it's going to be his day. SKT Tanger Factory, thirty two percent short. I see it happening. It's today's rocket. <laughs> and I happen to like it, but I've always liked Steve Tiger. I mean, you got 90% occupancy. I mean, it's crazy that there's a 32% short. If you're dealing with Steve Tiger, whom I've known for 15 years, you know, when in bad times people need a bargain, in good times people want a bargain. Oh so what? That's just, you're right. It's like winning the lottery. Yeah, so today is Steve Tanger's lucky day, and they've got a good new CEO, Steve Yaloff. Uh, I've never understood why this thing is so shorted, given the fact that Tanger's been through it. He's been uh, hell and back, and he's done a great job. They've got Lulu in there. We've got some all new. Uh, Tory Burch is in there now for uh, uh, when you're talking about off-price. I happen to like Tanger because it's outside. And, Carl, this is the one they've chosen. Can it be the next rocket? I don't know. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's like the opposite of the spanking machine, uh, Jim. <laughs> it's interesting to see which names are going to get their turn. Uh, you know, in terms of broad reopening plays, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, New Street High Target on GE out of yes. Morgan Stanley. They go 13 to 17. Uh, Morgan Stanley on our parent Comcast goes to 65, bull case 75. So um, the reopening enthusiasm is there. But then, Jim, you got a Disney which is closing 20% of their stores uh, in North America by the end of the year. So it's not uniform. Well, direct-to-consumer Disney's really cut back a lot uh, during this period, which means that when things finally happen, it's going to be uh, wide open, and you're going to see tremendous leverage in the model. But, uh, David, when I think of Disney, I think of this Amazon deal uh, for Thursday Night Football. Possible deal. Possible. Possible. Right. We're not there Possible. yet. Yep. You're right. But it's a big number. We've been talking big. about that possibility. For the worst and again, games, just to reiterate, I mean, Fox, NBC, CBS, they're all, uh, and ABC, they're all, potentially, right. they're all going to be there. But you'll add Amazon as well, potentially getting some individual games to it exclusively. It's going to cost them a lot but, of money. And David, cord cutting, but it, these numbers that, that the NFL's getting yeah. are as if cord doubling. Not right. Cutting. Because it, it, as, as the universe shrinks, it's the one thing you can still grab a hold of. Yes. And, and it, so, in a, in, well, a, and in, a, in a way, Carl, it becomes more valuable, even though the ecosystem is in, is in seminal decline. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, David, I mean, today, by the way, we should mention Paramount Plus goes live. Yes. Uh, we'll Ooh. watch to see how that's received. Uh, and Jason Keelar of Warner Media, uh, David, presenting at Morgan Stanley, as it seems like the entire world is presented at Morgan Stanley this week, says that uh, they believe that in the future, most households will have about Six to seven streaming services. And, of course, AT&T believes they're going to have one of them. Yeah, HBO Max, uh, which has started to pick up in terms of momentum. But we're keeping a close eye on overall just what's going on at Warner. Not that, you know, how much time will it will they sit with that asset and and continue to to uh, to to uh, focus on growth or what will happen? You know, conceivably over the next year or two, we could see a lot of tumult in media. But, yeah, that's uh I don't know, six or seven. I think I'm already there, Jim, uh, yes. in, terms of, in terms of streaming services. I am too. Damn and, that's, I, and it's already enough. I mean, I don't, you know, after a while, they've got to, there's got to be a better search function somehow. Uh, oh Maybe it's God, out there I and I don't the have it. Function. I just went on my button, uh, my clicker. David, we didn't talk about uh, the TV, the NFL package. No. The Sunday, the Sunday ticket. Right. Which is the most valuable thing on earth. Yes. If you're a fantasy football player. You're talking about DTV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was part of, remember, that was part of the deal in which they're selling 30%, but they actually took some of the hit on that AT&T. Wow. Yeah. Carl. All right, guys, a lot to get to. There's more streaming news. We'll dive into that call on GE. You got uh, Square taking a majority stake in title. Interesting thread out of Jack Dorsey today. Futures mixed. We're back in a minute. OPEC and its non-OPEC partners meeting this morning. Uh, oil prices at uh, some pre-pandemic levels, as you know by now. Uh, the watch is going to be on, Jim, to see whether they agree to reverse some of the output cuts that were made last year or decide against it. There's some headlines this morning that maybe the Saudi prince urging caution in relaxing some of those cuts. Well, look, uh, this is now, I think, after being a supply issue. If you get the opening that we're talking about, if you get what I call the Gorski open because J&J is flooding the zone, then I think you're going to get more uh, pickup, more demand, uh, just because, for instance, I had American Electric Power on last night, which is the largest transmission company, and they are seeing a very big lift in industrial. 
They're saying business is much stronger than they expected. David, when you have business that's much stronger than expected, people are going to hit the road. We have some great notes from Phil LeBeau about buying cars. It's been amazing. New vehicle loans jumped $2,000, more than 35000 The enthusiasm for the red-hot auto market, that's oil. That's gasoline. Yeah. Uh, and it's reflected in the uh, in the price of the commodity. Look at that. No, I did not expect it to be up this much. But, I, yeah, you know, who expected that the people, the geniuses would fix the the numbers? One hundred million dollars, one hundred million vaccines a month. Can you imagine um, what it's like in these places. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's a great thing. Uh, and we are getting closer and closer. Uh, guys, you, of course, may have seen Darren Woods, uh, CEO of Exxon, joined uh, Squawk Box this morning, this uh, day after their investor meeting. Of course, we spoke a lot about ExxonMobil earlier in the week uh, when they added those two uh, important board members, uh, Mike Angelakis and uh, Jeff Ubbin. Um, but one of the conversations yesterday at their investor day meeting, and I pointed this out, of course, was about decarbonization. I mean, mm-hmm. they're spending a lot of time mm-hmm. on that. And of course, Woods was asked, uh, as you might expect about it as well. He had some similar things to say to Mike Worth uh, when the CEO of Chevron told me, but take a listen. You know, one of the big challenges today in deploying that technology is the cost associated with that deployment. It becomes uneconomic as you get more and more dilute streams of CO2. So we've been doing work to make that those economics work and, and to make the cost come down. A lot of engineers there at uh, Exxon on that, uh, at least they indicate, of course, it shows how important it's going to become potentially to its strategy. I wanted also to uh, stay in that same lane, but change it up a bit. I had an opportunity to speak to Mike Henry. He's the CEO of the uh, resource giant BHP, which you know well, of course, uh, based in Australia. Um, You know, it's funny. You might think in a similar way they were in a similar situation, obviously not an oil company, but digging a lot of stuff out of the ground. That sometimes gets, uh, you know, burned to cause carbon. But uh, in his case, uh, Henry indicates that as the world decarbonizes, there are real opportunities for a company like BHP. A world that is more rapidly decarbonizing is a more valuable world for BHP. And the reason for that is because in order to affect the energy transition, um, there's actually going to be a lot more of the commodities that BHP produces required. Things like copper nickel, um, even steel. Um, so, this, so there's a certain steel intensity to building out this infrastructure. And so there will be increased demand for, for, for many of the commodities that BHP um, uh, produces. Uh, uh, by the way, take a listen to my uh, entire interview. Uh, our, it's uh, on the web uh, or Evolve series. We keep adding to it. We talk a lot about ESG in each of these interviews, but uh, you, know, you wouldn't necessarily think that they were a potential beneficiary, would you, Jim? But no, they not- may be, given... Given the commodities that go into these things. I am surprised. That's a great get, BHP. I've always admired that company. Uh, Steve Galbraith turned me on to that company about 30 years ago. They are a very, very good company. And to hear that pivot, that is actually just because of the way that new cars are being built. He's right. I mean, I had, the, the, uh, I had a rare earth company on the other day, MP. And you need uh, all sorts of minerals that we don't typically use. Uh, at the same time, I, David, I have to ask you point blank. Uh, Darren, when you speak to Darren Woods, yes, is he really making a commitment to change because they have not been that great at carbon capture? Or is he making a commitment to put people on the board who can push him? Because I'm not sure where Exxon really is after listening to him. Yeah, and I think that's a fair question. And I think we'll only know over time. Now, I think Ubbin is a serious guy on this, and I believe he will push and or be a partner 
to Mr. Woods as he potentially tries to push the company and the board. But it, it, you're right. Words only go so far. Right. And, and we will, Carl, watch it very closely, uh, not just because it's so important to the future of ExxonMobil conceivably, but because it has much broader implications uh, in, in terms of, um, well, in terms of so many other societal issues. Yeah. Uh, B of A goes to a street high 84 today, guys. And they say one message from the investor day was, we're an oil and gas company. We're good at it. And perhaps a less than subliminal message, get over it. Those are B of A's <laughs> words on XOM. Uh, but a lot of cross currents on energy. Speaking of which, we'll talk some of this in news about GM looking for perhaps a second battery plant in this company when we come in this country when we come right back. Keep your eye on the NASDAQ 100 laggards this morning. Marvel Technologies in there as we keep our eye on the semiconductor space. Uh, Piper does go from 50 to 60 this morning, uh, but shares down about 5% pre-market. We'll talk about that and a lot more with the CEO later this morning in our 11 a.m. hour of Squawk Alley. We're back in a moment. All right, two more minutes before we uh, get started with trading. Let's squeeze in a mad dash. Marvell. Yes, David. Uh, multi-layer complex substrates, IC packaging capacity, fab constraints, certain technology nodes. Yes, David, Marvell is down because of the chip shortage that we keep talking about. These basic parts of chips that they don't have. Remember, they do some autos. Otherwise, it would have been an exceptional number. But so what? I mean, well, otherwise, I mean, asterisk it? What do you do? We sold some stock from my travel trust because I just think that when people hear shortage and they hear semiconductor, they sell. They don't think about demand. And it didn't help that uh, when you speak to Mr. Murphy today, and I think Matt is fantastic, he's now talking about uh, – that you're going to be with this chip shortage for a long time. Uh, and that is uh, devastating for people when they try to figure out when this whole shortage is going to end. Uh, I just it's very hard to believe that you have a 5G company that has been the best. And it's just being felled by the fact that the companies that what, that make this stuff didn't predict that things were going to be great. Marvell now is going to buy a lot more inventory. They're getting away from just in time, and they're going to go to just in case. But the damage might have been done. People are going to sell it. I think it's a terrific company, but you have to let it come in because, yes, the chip shortage is alive and, unfortunately, all too well. David? Uh, it's true, Jim. Uh, even yesterday, uh, Stellantis was asked whether or not this shortage would end at the end of the second half and uh, said he wasn't sure. So it's sounding a little bit less like a first-half story. There's the opening bell, guys, in the S&P 500 at the bottom of your screen at the big board today. It's Van Eck celebrating the launch of the Van Eck Vectors Social Sentiment ETF, ticker Buzz, which you've no doubt heard about by now. At the NASDAQ, it's senior care provider Innovage. Jim, you did say this morning uh, that ETF fascinates you. Well, look, it's done by an algorithm. It does not have GameStop in it, by the way, but it's all the chatter stocks. And I had this image of the people, we've not mentioned these people of late, the Wall Street Bets people saying, you know what, this is our group, and we're going to start buying buzz. Uh, Dave Portnoy has a very interesting video. Uh, it's rated X or whatever people rate people. Uh, you know, you rate it so that you can't really watch it, a lot of it. But uh, this is the first ETF that's captured my fancy in a long time, simply because I want to watch what people really are talking about. And it's done in a very non-emotional way. So, Carl, I think it's a, a winning ETF 
in part because, yes, the hardest working man in stock and sports business, and he does have a lip sync, by the way, for James Brown today, uh, is behind it. Uh, And uh, Portnoy will generate a lot of excitement. The ETF is very excited. Tanger. Will you look at that? Let's see if if Steve's come back to me. He's one of my just greatest guests. Um, Look, what the hell is that stock being shorted for? I mean, you can't bet against Steve Tanger. He's one of the best in the world, but they're doing it. Well, I understand why you might short it as a sort of a basket of shorts in general. Part yeah, of it, but right? He shorted six months ago when right. he was really on well, the maybe, ropes. Uh, but maybe they were. Well, no, no. Last six months yeah. ago, they weren't doing well. But no, I'm saying maybe it was short. Now, I mean, you're going to start to cover here. But you're saying this thing's also now getting getting. Well, they picked it. it they did. Yeah, they picked it because of the short position. They, they being, being the Reddit. Street, the Reddit yeah. Wall Street, I don't think this can do Rocket. In part no, because no. You know, Rocket has unbelievable quarter. Yes. Didn't understand at all why that stock was down. Tanger's just not as bad as we thought, but they've picked it because of the short position. And David, you know, I don't like this kind of investing if only just because if it's just, you know, 30, 40% short, and that's something. I know. Meanwhile, GameStop's hanging in there at $124 a share. <laughs> Look at that <laughs> list. Well, yeah, that's the real time list, the channel yeah. list. Yeah. Uh, but we got buzz and I think we're going to have to follow buzz because it's, uh, about what it's the stocks that we all talk about. And um, I don't know, it's kind of interesting to see an algo pick the stocks. And yet the algo does not have GameStop because the algo is not up to date. They need GameStop in that thing. Carl, we have still not heard from GameStop, which I think is rather amazing. There's, they have nothing to say. It's getting weird. Yeah, it is. It's weird. getting weird, Jim. Uh, the, the silence is, is deafening. Uh, well, you know, when you go um, on the for site, a second day in a row, though, well, I'm sorry. For the second day in a row, I was going to say Boeing leads uh, the Dow, not quite taking out yesterday's high, but we did get to the highest levels, Jim, since uh, December 14th of last year. And um, that leads right to the GE call, uh, which I'm sure you guys are going to talk about as they go to 17 investor day on the 10th. Oh, boy. Uh, A lot of that is about the strength of aviation David, feeding free cash flow. Yeah, 90 cents a share of free cash flow in 2023, says Morgan Stanley. Uh, Listen, this stock's up 28% already this year. Comfortably above a $100 billion market value is now GE at $121 plus billion market value. Back to respectability. Well, Uh, Larry Culp, uh, obviously, uh, people getting on board with the turnaround. Aviation, as you said, Carl, uh, Morgan Stanley says, appears to have significant recovery potential and looks conservative in guidance. Jim, although when I think of Culp, I tend to think of Danaher sometimes. Well, they Just, I can't help it. I mean, you take a look at value creation. I mean, G, listen, GE seems to be on its way, rebounding, had a very strong last quarter, unexpectedly so at least, versus what analysts were estimating. Take a look at where Culp came from at Danaher, though. That thing has been unbelievable. By the way, they probably were the beneficiary of the purchase that they oh, made yeah. from Culp's GE of that. The life that, sciences. Yes, thank you. That of that business. business. It was a part of the Amersham. I mean, Emma was pointing that out. But, and they got a great price for it. But Danaher, guys, can we put up a Danaher? DHR. Just, yeah. to, just to take a look. It's coming. I, I just wanted to throw that up there because every time we talk about GE... Well, they're a big competitor with Thermo Fisher, another company that used to be very envious of GE's life science business. Uh, Yes, Culp had to sell it. They needed the capital. I've been working uh, with Culp on this wind division, and wind is now very economic, which is shocking. And wind is a very big part of their business. It was not the reason why Texas had a problem. There's a big wind farm coming up near me, uh, and uh, apparently I won't be able to see it in the Jersey Shore. 
uh, you know, Carl, wind. We're a windy country. And all of the big data centers want to be located where there's wind. And uh, we forget. I mean, we're more windy than sunny. And uh, Larry Cope, he understands this stuff. I was trying to get him to do green hydrogen. And he was like, you know, Jim, you know, Jim, come on, green hydrogen. I like gray. He likes all the other color hydrogens because of the, of the turbine business. David, you know when GE is going to really t- get to the 20s? Tell me. When it, they call them turbines and not oh, turbines. that's what the problem is? Yeah, yeah, a turbine. So he didn't get uh, yeah, the green hydrogen thing didn't go over to well. You're no, down in your get, basement no. again. Why don't you bring it to GameStop? You're no. always coming up with new business models well, for them. Uh, GameStop can sell green hydrogen. Yeah. Sell the, yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I de- he deep sixed him. I sent him a memo on green hydrogen. Like four days later, it came back. He said, well, I'm sorry I didn't look at it. Right. He's like, our hydrogen is never going to be green. I know he's right. Green hydrogen. He's a he's a realist. I'm a dreamer. Green eggs and ham. We don't want to get into that. No, you're not to say that. No, I know. Jeez, oh, no, no. oh no, David. I'm sorry. Oh my god. What? 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 He was a real left wing guy, you know. Who? Soyce? Uh, guy. Geisel? Theodore Geis. Yeah, he was great. If you watch that five who came back, Carl. Did you ever watch that five who came back? The unbelievable special love, about the books were all great. Capra and. Well, he was the most left-wing, so we may not, may not think that he's right right now, but at the time, he was... Well, it was his, it's his foundation that made that decision. All right. Yes, that's uh, true. Uh, let's, let's get back to, uh, to business. You see this deal Okta did? I know it's a private company, but it's a $6.5 billion deal, all stock. Yeah. Um, moving strongly into... Where's the, darn the customer press release? Well, David, it's been the enterprise. Now they're moving into the customer. Yeah. I really like the deal. Now, people like Andrew immediately talked out, hey, maybe they're paying, look, they're paying, ca- uh, not cash, they're paying stocks. They're maying paying stocks. And, and higher, higher, right, at a higher level, 271, uh, 276, and, 21 is and, where and they're setting And you know, I'm just the key, yeah. but this is a lot of stock. But I do, I begged him to get into this business. Six and a half billion worth of business. stock. And again, yeah, they combine the, this company, Authos, developer-centric identity solution with the Okta Identity Cloud. And they say that will drive tremendous value for both current and future customers. Look, it's, it's I was a, looking at it. It's, they you know, need it's to authentication, be that, that kind of stuff. Was it defensive? I don't know. They need to be in that business. David, you mentioned BHP earlier. Yes, I did. Where's, where's it located? In Australia. And where ha- what companies had a big fight with Australia? Uh, Facebook. And the stock is up today. Yes, the stock is up. Down 5% for the year, but Facebook shares are up 1.4%. Right. What do you make of that? Well, I think that... Uh, this is a good stock to watch because, David, it's it sells like like 19 P.E. if you back out the cash versus these industrials that sell. I mean, what is the P.E. of Boeing? Well, don't you need some earnings to figure out a, B, a P.E.? A 19 P.E. with less 33 percent revenue growth last quarter. Right. That's what the top line was. Thirty three percent. Well, I prefer Boeing, which has very little business at all. And what business it has is kind of hobbled. And, uh, but it doesn't matter. Carl. Boeing is the ultimate opening stock, because if you think that people are going to travel, uh, you can only book so many cruise lines. Eventually, you're going to book an airplane and the airlines have not kept up. And a lot of airlines do not understand that we're about to have the boom, not since maybe the end of World War Two or the end of World War One. And people are going to want to go to places and they usually anyone who wants to go anywhere and has Moderna or Pfizer, JJ, the prices right now get them. I have never seen prices like this. And if they, Carl, if they maintain these prices, we're going to want to go to places and do our shows for them. Anywhere. Mexico City. 300 yeah. bucks. Uh, 300 bucks. We, we talked about it yesterday. 
We talked about it yesterday, Jim, uh, the bargains, the relative bargains right now in travel. But, I mean, I know you saw uh, the ISM survey comments on prices paid yesterday, highest since 08. Yeah. Comments like um, unprecedented uh, demand for supply, port challenges. I mean, I assume it's just a matter of time before that does feed in to the consumer level of well, pricing, right? At what point does Jay Powell say, look, I'm conscious of the fact that copper's over $4, which is really incredible, just amazing. And that lumber doubled. I mean, I, I think that at a certain point, Jay Powell has to say, you know what, the, there are parts of the economy that are too hot. Uh, and that may be the, uh, David, that may be that moment where you get uh, the bonds having their final give up, perhaps, when he acknowledges that. Is that what it's going to be? Yeah. Yeah, when you have the crescendo of, mm-hmm. uh, of bond selling, when mm-hmm. he says, you know what, I'm conscious of this. Janet Yellen was conscious of it in November of 2015, which is where the big sell-off started. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. We were there. Um, yes, we were. We were there. We've always been there. And we but, may very well always be there. But rates are down today, so you can frolic. I can frolic? You can frolic. Frolic in what? I don't know. You can buy high growth. I mean, how is Snowflake doing? Uh, take a look. Yeah. Slootman. Slootman. He's going to join us. I'm scared us of Slootman, Carl. I just put it out there. Um, okay. I've asked Slootman <laughs> questions, and he's basically said, <laughs> if you knew what you were doing, we could answer that question. And I was like, yes, you're right, sir. He doesn't suffer fools. Um, I love him. He's uh, got a book out. You might want to read that. Like Jeff, Jeff, uh, Jeff, uh, I've been as a book. No, Jeff Immelt has a book. Got the wrong. I read that. The wrong Jeff. I read that. And what was that? Did that? Was that? It was a good read. Yeah, I got to get that. I, I thought know. they sent the interview still out there, by the way, on CNBC.com. I think. Oh, my God, you're still. How yep. many interviews have you done? You I have like to find 50, you everywhere. I have to spend 50 minutes searching for it to find it. But, you, you know, it's still out there. Um, anyway, I'll Google it later. Thank you. You're welcome. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, guys, because uh, I just started following this situation, I got to keep following it. CoreLogic. <laughs> <laughs> um, they said no to CoStar, which was surprising. You but got by the way, CoStar, me. one of these growth names, right? 50 multiple. Although they'll tell you, listen, for the last four years, that's been the average multiple has been up there. There's CoreLogic shares. They're actually not giving up any ground. Take a look at CoStar. It's come down a lot since they made their latest bid, which did include some cash. And seemed to be on paper worth as much as 97 bucks a share. But when you watch CoStar's stock price start to go down, it's at the end there. And we can certainly show it over the last month because it's quite significant. Nine, six, nine, what was it? 920 to 760. Uh, there it is. Um, hmm. they, want more, they want more cash uh, is, what, uh, is what CoreLogic is saying, Jim. Um, and they're afraid. They're like, well, if it's a 50 PE, yeah, but how can we be sure it won't be a 30 PE at some point? Seem to have answered many of their other questions, but it's kind of surprising. Although unanimous uh, on the board, they say, listen, six bucks a share in cash, which is what they increased the last deal by in terms of mix, uh, doesn't reduce our exposure to the volatility in your stock. But so, this is when they, they buy it and then they, they come public with it again three years from now. And like maybe, I don't know, but, you know, I mean, what? it's still 83, 84 bucks a share versus the 80 they've got in hand. But that deal they could actually have a vote on as little as six weeks. The proxy's already uh, already out. Uh, so we'll keep following it. By the way, on auctions and things of that nature, did want to also mention Coherent. Remember the laser company? Yes. Uh, bids due tomorrow night, from what I'm hearing. So we should know something over the weekend. Uh, you've got three. Best that's and final? That, that's that Is three-way. Is it best way. and final, David? Yeah, I think it's going to be best and final. Whoa. That three-way may get, may get resolved, <laughs> uh, but Coherent. Who yeah. knew? Yeah. Who knew lasers were just so in demand? I, I didn't, Carl. JDSU did, David. Yeah, JDSU. Just don't sell us. <laughs> with the beret. JDSU. What was the yes. guy with the beret? Thank uh, you, Google? Joseph Strauss. Yes, Chip Aiken. Well done. He had the beret. I thought about wearing a beret for some time because it, you know, kind of, I don't know. 
It's it's my 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 uh, my grandfather used to wear a beret, and he yeah. had a head of hair like French? yours. Was he yeah. French? Um, he was not. No. Back was, to Carl. He was very sharp. I encourage it. Uh, really? I, I like it, guys. You know, okay. the Nasdaq did bounce a bit here, just south of 13K. It was briefly the lowest uh, since January 29th. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Good morning, guys. Happy Thursday. This is the kind of open the market really likes because you've got a broad rally. You have the tech sector up and you've got the reopening sector up. So you've got energy up. You've got generally banks up. You take a look what's going on. Industrials doing well. Consumer staples generally flat to lagging, but that's been the story all year. So it's, uh, this pleases the bull when you see this. The problem is the damage is already done. We've got a significant correction going on in a number of sectors, and it's not just technology, by the way. So if you look, uh, IPOs, uh, 16% off their recent highs. A lot of these hit their highs back in January, early February. Biotech, uh, both the IBB and the other major uh, ETF, uh, 14, 15, 16% off their highs. China, which was the biggest market of the year uh, up until uh, the middle of February, 10% correction there. NASDAQ 100 heading that direction, down 8%. Mega caps are, you know, some of them, the, the chip sectors basically hit their highs in the middle of January. So Xilinx and AMD, look at this, 20% off of their highs there. Uh, AMD, I think, is 18%, not 28%. That's a typo there. Facebook, uh, Apple, uh, Amazon, they all hit their highs. Uh, Amazon a while ago. Apple, again, in the middle of January. Uh, the good news is the multiples on these are coming down. And that's very good news for the market. So if you look at the end of January, Apple was trading at 34 times 2021 uh, earnings numbers. That's a very high multiple for them. Now it's come down to 27. That's a lot more reasonable. So the, the correction is good for the market, bringing the multiples down. This all corresponded with the move up in interest rates. Kathy Wood's ARC fund, for example, high was February 16th. That's not a coincidence. That was when the interest rates started moving up. The 10-year yield went from 1.1 to almost 1.2 that very day, within a day or two of that. And that was the top there for a lot of these mega cap tech holdings. She's down 22% since then. Not a big route. There are not a lot of people moving money out of the fund yet. So a lot of people still believe in her, but she's off 22% from the highs just on February 16th. So where are we right now? The key story is the reopening narrative is still intact. That's the most important thing that we've got. The vaccine rollout and the reflation story. But the rising bond yields have hurt the tech rally and the momentum indicators are stalling out. The mega cap tech names uh, overall. Finally, uh, Jim was mentioning the Buzz ETF, a lot of hype around this. We're going to have Jamie Wise on at 1230. He's the originator of the Buzz ETF. Just started trading two minutes ago here. This is the Van Eck Social Security number, uh, it, one that attracts 75 stocks, most bullish sentiment, largest holdings. No GameStop, folks. Twitter, DraftKings, Ford, American Airlines, Facebook here. Uh, and so they've been very aggressive saying we are not the Reddit ETF. He's going to push back on that. Of course, he's made it a lot more complicated for himself by bringing in Dave Portnoy, Dave Portnoy, excuse me. And what we've got, Carl, here essentially is a hall of mirrors. We have the owner uh, of an index company hyping an index who is himself the subject of the index. So this is that whole sort of a you know, postmodern conundrum you have where we're all in a hall of mirrors sort of staring at each other. It's an interesting question for people wanting to invest in this. Does social media actually indicate a direction for stock prices, number one? And number two, is there an issue here for regulators at all when, when you have this kind of, of, of setup? We don't know what the answer is, and I'm not sure the regulators know either. Carl, back to you. All right. Uh, it's going to be yeah, a strange new chapter, Bob. Thank you. Uh, of course, the lingering question is what Powell might say today at noon, if anything different. Rick Santelli's got it. Hey, Rick.
Well, many people think it's going to have something to do with doing the twist, but we'll have to wait and see. Look at a week to date of 10s. 138 to 148. That's creating all these issues, isn't it? Hmm. Okay, we're at 146 now. We're down a couple of basis points. You know, Bob nailed some key points. ARC. Okay, so ARC has a used business in Tesla, and interest rates start to go up. Where's the real channel there? Hmm. Margin calls, you got to defend your position, a losing position, a big losing position with cash. And you have to find cash, and you have to pay the VIG on cash. There's one of your major channels. Now, if you look at a week-to-data chart, uh, it really is mostly sideways, but at lofty levels. And if you look at a one-year of 10s, you can see we're basically highest levels in about a year. But here's the point. Let's zoom down. Let's zoom down to January 26th. Hmm, what was January 26th, beginning of a two-day Fed meeting? And what was the Fed kind of discussing? We all looked at the minutes. Hey, they're not really into tapping the brakes. Uh, They don't tell us anything about the fate of huge buybacks. And, of course, it seems like, even though Jay Powell said he isn't, he certainly doesn't seem to be pushing back on the biggest stimulus package in history that's being voted on. And there's some questions as to, A, why rates are higher, or B, why some of these stocks are going down. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, halfway back on some of these stocks, we're still not there. Think Tesla. Now, if we look at that chart once again, rates just zoom. They hardly look back since that Fed meeting. So I think a lot of what has to do with rates is what you think about the Fed and their policies and whether they can continue or not or not. And if you look at tens minus boons, they're guns hot, widest in about a year at 178. And finally, year to date at tens minus twos. You know, the the yield curve hasn't really had a lot of pullback here. And if people really believe that the twist was coming, maybe they should pull back a bit. But let's wait and see. And let's wait and see if we are doing a little chubby checker twist by the end of the day. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick. Thank you, uh, Rick Santelli. So we're going to keep our eye on the markets here about best gain or first gains in three days, although the S&P is really flat. NASDAQ still south of 13K here. Back in a moment. Square is announcing plans to buy a majority stake in the streaming music service Tidal. Square will pay about $297 million in cash and stock. Uh, Jack Dorsey tweeted explaining why in a tweet saying the service's original artists will become the second largest group of shareholders. Says Tidal board member and shareholder Sean Carter, better known as Jay-Z, will join the board when the deal closes. For his part, Jay-Z tweets the partnership will be a game changer and calling Jack Dorsey one of the greatest minds of our times. Uh, Jim, for those who wonder what the two have to do with one another, Jack's general point is that artists need better tools um, and that there is uh, some symmetry there where some might have trouble finding it. Well, this is a tougher one for me to get. Uh, I know I like Square because they've got Cash App, because they're a good place to buy uh, crypto. I like it because they're they have a tremendous point of sale. Uh, uh, but it's, I always feel that it's an ecosystem, a holistic ecosystem to help small business. This doesn't really fit in, but maybe, I mean, it would have fit in better with Twitter. I don't know. David, I, I'm a little lost, but Jack works in strange ways. Yes, he does. And he wears a very long beard. That's it, huh? Takes long. He's uh, off, off campus a lot, right? Well, he's done well. He's thinking. The companies are doing well. He's thinking. Well, that was helpful. Yeah. 
year to date, year to date, Square still uh, still beating the S&P, not by a lot, but up almost four percent. And of course, Twitter, which for a while, guys, in January was one of the was the biggest S&P loser, up twenty nine percent for the year to date. We're back in a minute. Keep your eye on some of the cannabis names. Had a very nice run in early to mid-February. Down uniformly across the board now as you continue to pay attention to what happens on Capitol Hill. In the meantime, the Nasdaq, about 20 points from going red for the year. We're back in a moment. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? All right, solar winds has been underreported, so I'm bringing FireEye on. I mean, this is apparently 1,000 people were involved in this hack. Thousand bad guys. Kevin Manuel help us. And then Splunk, Doug Murray pulled a rabbit out of the hat. He did a great job in the quarter, but it is NASDAQ, so who knows what will happen. NASDAQ. Uh, yep, Jim, we'll see you at 6. Yep. Uh, Mad Money with Jim Cramer uh, tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 